Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. What is going on, Conspiranormal listeners? We are back again with your host, Adam Sane, your co-host, yours truly, The Luke Reed, and we have The Tempest. That's right, The Tempest is in the background. He's uh, making sure that we sound pretty well, and if he doesn't, we'll, 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 uh, we'll beat him within an inch of his life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're moving up in the world when we have a sound guy. Yeah, he, re- right. yeah, he, was, uh, he, he records the black death metal, so you know, we got him in here in the studio. Word. So uh, it's been a little while, Luke. It's been about three weeks. Right. I am in high around. demand. I'm I'm a slave to a woman now. So. Yeah, that, that does make you in high demand. We, uh, <laughs> you know, I had like we had like a whole thing planned where we were going to talk about stuff on our own, right. and then like you know, six o'clock and like nothing. Seven o'clock. <laughs> where's Luke? Right. 7.30, I just gave up. We ended up watching something on I, Netflix. I believe I was pretty intoxicated Saturday night, so <laughs> it completely slipped my mind Sunday. <laughs> you intoxicated? No. <laughs> I wouldn't imagine. Yeah, it, I, I didn't mean that. It was just a joke. <laughs> <laughs> and Luke is uh, Luke is sporting a very festive beard here. He yeah, looks, uh, by request of my uh, slave master. <laughs> your slave master means your woman? <laughs> is that sunshine? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what did you think about uh, our last guest uh, uh, <coughs> that we had on about uh, the Royal Arch of Enoch, Robert Sullivan the Fourth? Um, there was some parts that I kind of, uh, you know, faded out a little bit. Yeah. But but uh, overall, he answered a lot of questions that I had about masonry and Odd Fellows and all of that, and he's really knowledgeable of those things so that except for the neat. book of numbers thing that we were, we were talking yeah, about yeah no nah, i'd look like an idiot because of what some <laughs> other moron told me <laughs> yeah 
Well, I mean, it was really interesting. You started, your eyes started to kind of glaze over there when we were talking about the cinema, yeah, like this, this, the stuff in film, the cinema symbolism. Yeah, that, and also, I when you start mentioning names, you know, I don't know these people. I don't know authors and and uh, Masonic leaders and everything. Luke I, just throws up his hands <laughs> like, I don't know, I don't know that stuff. <laughs> but it, I put in the other earbud and listen to metal on the left side. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway. Uh, Tonight we have on um, we have on Reverend Carter. He's going to talk about uh, UFOs in the Bible. An archbishops? Yeah, no, he's not an archbishop. <laughs> uh, we we have interestingly enough uh, this uh, right after our show with uh, Robert Sullivan, I had this guy named Mark reach out to me and asking me about a couple of people they would have on as guests, and one was Reverend Carter. Uh, he lives in Asheville. He is a Unitarian Universalist minister. And uh, I said, well, let's, let's go ahead and have him on. Uh, cool. So, is that like the New World Order religion or something? Uh, no, they're like uh, Unitarian and U Unitarian believe in, uh, they don't believe in the, the Holy Trinity. And Universalists are these guys that believe anything goes. So you probably would like them. Super liberals. Yeah. So the, uh, at some point in like mid 20th century or something, they the two combine together to become the Unitarian Universalist Church. Okay. So that's where that's where that comes in. But uh, he's apparently been on Ancient Aliens, like your favorite show in the world. And uh, maybe well, my brother's. Well, not anymore since uh, <laughs> since Chris White changed your yeah. mind. Thank on you, it all. Chris White. I do. I really do appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, so I agreed to have him come on. Uh, I don't know really what to expect. I, I have read his book. Um, it's uh, it's some interesting stuff. Uh, I just want to see where he comes from. He's also got some alien abduction um, uh, experiences that uh, he can share with us too. Mm, so okay. I think that'll be interesting. His own kind of like contactee experience. So without further ado, I think we'll just go ahead and go on to the guest. Word. All right. Give our listeners a cigarette break. Uh, yeah. Uh. Well... Uh, sometimes this happens where we cannot get in touch with a guest. Um, I don't know what happened, but, uh, we tried to call and, uh, could not get in touch with him. So, uh, hopefully everything's okay. Uh, but we're going to go on with the show because, uh, Luke is here to impart some wisdom, some <laughs> wisdom to us. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So, do you want to go first, Luke? You want me to go first? Uh, you go ahead, go first. I'm still kind of collecting over here. I got you. Well, I want you to uh, listen to this story. Uh, this is an older story, but um, but you know, older from like a February or whatever. And just give me your idea of what you think about it. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna read it. Okay. We'll go on. Haunting in Indiana leads to family's exorcism, child's levitation, reports. A Gary, Indiana mother of three claims demons caused her 12-year-old daughter to levitate and her 9-year-old son to walk on a hospital ceiling. Accounts supported by medical personnel and police officials, according to a shocking report. For Latoya Ammons, the late-night footsteps, the creaking of a door, and wet footprints left by a shadowy male figure through her living room were merely child's play when that was all her family had to endure. But then things turned violent. It was March 10th, 2012, four months after her family moved into a three-bedroom rental, that Ammon saw her daughter floating above her bed, the Indy Star reports. 
It was first a scream that alerted her grandmother, Rosa Campbell, to the girl's bedroom at about 2 a.m. that night. I thought, <clears throat> what's going on? Campbell recalled to the star. Why is this happening? When the girl fell back onto the bed, she gained consciousness but said she had no memory of what had happened. Two clairvoyants told them the house was filled with more than 200 demons. The family's church recommended pouring olive oil on Ammon's children's hands and feet with smeared crosses along, along their foreheads as a form of protection. At one clairvoyant's recommendation, the frightened mother created an altar in her basement with a white candle and a statue of Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. It was down there beneath the staircase leading up to her kitchen where the family believed the terrifying events began. She and a friend prayed over the altar while filling the area with smoke in an attempt to spiritually purify the home, she told the star. For three days, nothing happened, and then Ammons and her children began acting out. The mother found her youngest, a seven-year-old boy, inside a closet while allegedly talking to another boy only Ammons' son could see. When asked what they were talking about, her son allegedly told her that the other child was describing what it was like to be killed. Not long after that, the woman claims her 7-year-old flew out of a bathroom and that her 12-year-old daughter required stitches after being hit in the head. The girl told healthcare professionals that she sometimes felt like she was being choked. The voice will tell her that she never see her family again. On April 19, 2012, the family went to see Dr. Jeffrey Onyukulu. Wow. Here's a Japanese name, let me see. No, it's, I don't think it's Japanese. On on Yuqual, I don't, yeah, I don't that's, know. That's strange. On Yuqual. How about Smith? Whose encounter with the children was one he said he'd never forget. Twenty years, and I've never heard anything like that in my life. The, the physician told the Star about their first meeting since the frightening events began. I was scared myself when I walked into the room. According to a report by the Department of Children's Services obtained by the Star, one of the boys began cursing at On Yuqual in a demonic voice. He and his brother then abruptly passed out and wouldn't come to. The police were called. When both children woke up at a hospital, the youngest began screaming and violently thrashing about. It took five men to hold the seven-year-old boy down, Campbell told the star. The children's behavior was so unusual and unexplainable that doctors feared their mother was suffering from mental illness and possibly encouraging the kids to act that way. Ammons was reported to DCS for possible child abuse, but when she was evaluated by a hospital psychiatrist, she was told to be of sound mind. DCS family case manager, Valerie Washington, was then called in to evaluate the children. When she met them, the youngest, she reported, started to growl and flash his teeth at her. His eyes then rolled back into his head. Then the seven-year-old lunged for his older brother and put his hands around his throat while saying in a voice that wasn't his own, It's time to die. I will kill you, according to Washington's report. Once released from his brother's grasp, the nine-year-old allegedly started headbutting his grandmother. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Campbell took his hand and started to pray when the boy walked backward up a wall and onto the ceiling. Once there, he flipped and landed perfectly on his feet. Did you catch that? That's sweet. I wish I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> this is the power of, bl of black metal. Washington's <laughs> DCS report is corroborated by Willie Lee Walker, a registered nurse who was in the room with them. He walked up the wall, flipped over her, the grandmother, and stood there. There's no way he could have done that. Washington, in her report to police, described the boy as gliding. The seven-year-old boy stayed overnight in the hospital with Ammons while Campbell took the other two children to a relative's for the night. They returned the next day, which was the youngest boy's eighth birthday, but were greeted by DCS workers who took all three children into custody. 
The following day, the hospital chaplain called Re Reverend Michael Maginot, asking him to perform an exorcism on the nine-year-old boy. The Reverend agreed to interview the mother and grandmother at the home. During their meeting, a bathroom light bulb flickered, blinds in the kitchen swung, and footprints appeared in the living room, he told the star. Oh, give me just one second. Continue read from there, please, after that. After that, Ammons and Hello. Campbell moved out to temporarily live with a relative, but less than a week later were called back for an afternoon inspection by the DCS. Gary Police Captain Charles Austin accompanied the two women with Washington and another officer. Austin tells the star that after the visit, he believes that both ghosts and demons, he believes in both ghosts and demons. He also vowed to never go outside the house again. Uh, I'm sure Adam's going to ask what I think about this. And uh, I'm going to ask him if, he, if he's seen other sources claiming the same things. Because uh, our listeners will know that I'm pretty skeptical about all of that kind of thing. Uh, interesting, though. I'd be, I'd be really interested to know if there are other articles backing that up. Well, we have the guest on the line, guys. Yes. Um, <laughs> We we got in touch with him finally, and uh, we we did we did read that little story. I'm going to get Luke's inside, Doctor Carter. You didn't hear that story we we're reading, but it's about the Gary Indiana exorcism. So, as a reverend, if you have any insights on in that, uh, we can talk about that later. But uh, so we have him on the line, and we're, I'm going to go ahead and bring Doctor Carter on. Uh, Doctor Carter, welcome to Conspiracy Normal. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And listen, Adam, I'm, I'm a reverend. I no no PhD here. I have my master's, okay. master's in you. divinity. Excellent. Well, this is Luke, my co-host here. Hello, nice to meet you. Hey, we got how this, are you? We Doing got well. this guy like lurking in the background as our little soundboard dude. So you probably won't hear him. But uh, welcome to Conspiracy Normal. It's, I'm glad to be here, and I'm, I'm glad we, we got this we got this going on. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready when you are. All right. Uh, well, I just want to go through. Um, you know, the basic what I do is uh, I want to talk about the introduction. Sure. Like who you are and uh, your, your background and how you became interested in the subject that you write oh, about. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely yeah. That's that's a good start. That's a good start. Um, basically, how I got interested in this, Adam, is, uh, you know, first of all, I'm one of these people, I've never seen a full episode of Star Trek. I haven't even ever seen Star Trek, really. So I never, I wasn't very heavy into science fiction. What happened to me was, um, I remember people asking me when I was younger, you don't believe in UFOs? You don't believe in life on other planets? And I said, no. And they looked at me astonishingly, and they said, why not? And, of course, my answer was, well, it's not in the Bible. I was raised um, uh, as, as a Baptist, and, you know, the Bible said what it meant, and it meant what it said. And on July, I'm sorry, on December 28, 1989, as I write in the book, I came back from Mexico uh, with a friend, um, my, well, was my first wife at the time. We weren't married at that time, but we went to uh, Chichen Itza and Tulum to see the pyramids. And when we got back, I went to a party. I didn't want to go. I was tired, but I also wanted to show off my tan, and it was 85 degrees in Mexico. And when I got back to New York, it was like 25 degrees. 
So I went to a friend's house, stayed for about 90 minutes. I did show up, um, had some potato salad, just something to eat, and I excused myself, caught the subway back home. In the middle of the night, I got up. I don't even, I don't remember having to go to the bathroom. I just woke up, and there was a being in my room. My whole room was lit up with this white, bluish light, and I thought I was going to have a heart attack. And this being just stared at me, and I stared at it. It had a a pear-shaped head. It was white. It was not gray. It had the Ray-Ban kind of wraparound eyes. It had on a jumpsuit that was silver, like aluminum foil, like Reynolds wrap. And it was it was it was form fitting. And I pulled the covers up over my head. I I I mean I'm not ashamed. I, I I was I was frightened out of my wits. I pulled the cover up over my head. And I heard this whoosh, whoosh, this whooshing sound, and it felt like I was outside. It felt like I would, like my whole bedroom was outside. When I pulled the covers down, no one was there. It was just quiet. And this started happening every full and new moon for about six to eight months. And I, I, would go, I, went, to, I went to a psychiatrist. I, I was fearing for my sanity. I thought I was crazy. And I went to a psychiatrist, and they said, no, no. We took some tests. We asked some questions. They said, you're not crazy. They said, but whatever it is, this is really happening to you. And from then on, I read everything I could about UFOs. But I was always drawn to, you know, I was well-versed in the Bible, and I wanted to know, was anyone writing about this? And there was a guy named Dr. Barry Downing. He's a retired Presbyterian minister. He's a friend and colleague. He wrote a book back in 1968 called Flying Saucers in the Bible. A woman by the name of Virginia Brasington wrote a book on UFOs in the Bible back in the 50s or 60s. And a guy named Morris K. Jessup wrote a book. He died of mysterious circumstances. Uh, back in the 50s, and he wrote about UFOs in the Bible. And that gave me uh, the world with all to go on, and it gave me some courage, too, because I didn't feel like I was a nut. There were other people writing about this. And that's what happened. Let me ask you, Reverend Carter, um, did you see any significance to, and this is something that I wanted to ask you since I read the book, was uh, did you see any significance to the your visitations occurring on the new and full moon? No, what I saw was that I figured that there must be some kind of energy. It was a better energy for them to contact me. I, okay. I don't know. And and and, I, and what, what the significance, that's the only significance I could glean from it. Uh, so it was twice a month for about six to eight months. Now, there was some significance because at that time, when I first had my, my first visitation as an adult, I was not leading the kind of life I wanted to lead. Well, I said I wanted to lead, and by that I meant I was in I was in the theater. Um, you know, I was looking for work. It was partying. You know, I was just having a good time being an actor in New York, and you know, trying to find work, that kind of thing. And yes, I had my sense of spirituality. I was leaving Christianity as I saw it, the more orthodox version of it, and it was kind of like a, a glass of cold water in my face. That look. You're here for more important business. 
you know, um, let's pull it together. That That's how it felt to me. As far as specifically new and full moons, I didn't see any significance as that except for maybe for them, maybe the energy was better for them. That's the best way that I could, you know, what I could glean from that. But it did accelerate my spirituality. Uh, I started reading voraciously. I started exploring other ways of being in the world, started reading scriptures and, and sacred texts from others, uh, other cultures. I mean, it just opened up a new world. It scared me. I mean, even to sure. today, I still sleep with my light on, but only till the last minute. But it's not so much the fear of them, even though I still continue to have visitations. There's been years in between some of them. But it's just the mere fact that I can be in my room with my windows and doors shut, and I can wake up and a being is there. That would, that would frighten anybody. But it's no longer the fear of they're going to do something to hurt me. As a matter of fact, I can honestly say that in these years since these visits, I live my life less fearfully. I live my life with more integrity and authenticity. I've had to walk through some fears and that a whole new world has opened up to me. Now, I want to be clear, Adam. I'm not saying that you, that people, people do that on their own. I'm not saying you got to have visits from off-world intelligences to do that. I'm just telling my story. Right, yeah, I understand. Yeah, I just want to be clear because there are people out there who say, hey, man, I knew all that. Uh, I love more openly and honestly now and da-da-da-da-da, and I didn't have anybody visit me, and I'm not saying that has to happen. I'm just saying for my journey, this is what has happened to me. How long do they linger when they visit? You know what? It's 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 not a long time, at least, at least from my standpoint. Um, I always write down the time and stuff. I keep a, a journal by my bed, but uh, it's, it's never long. When they do speak to me, uh, they usually speak to me in pictures in my head, some type of telepathic thing, but it's not like I'm having a conversation with them. Um, I've, I've seen two different races come, uh, and there are many races out there, so when people talk about what do they want, you have to say, well, what they are you talking about? Because they're like human beings in the sense of, you know, they're different races, they're different species. They're also more evolved and less evolved. Uh, I know people who've had visits, but they haven't been the most pleasant. They've had rectal probes and all kinds of stuff done to them, and that's real, uh, but that hasn't happened to me. Mine have been more uh, a benevolent kind of uh, interactions aside from the fright or them like not looking like me um, yeah. uh, and then I had years go by where I didn't have any visits at all and I kind of longed to see them I thought well did I do something wrong or maybe you know it's that kind of fear and awe at the same time and then they would come back but the times that the years in between I felt like I was living the life that I was supposed to lead in the sense of you know I had to raise my family um, I had a wife, I have a child, uh, you know, I have to go on with life, but I felt like I'm doing my life's mission, which for me is to learn and to evolve and to learn how to love. And then to, when I have that love, to share that love. That's, that's I mean, I, I'm, I'm a clergy person, and so that's been my journey. And I felt that maybe, I mean, I would have dreams about them, but not to hardcore visits. And then they started happening again last summer. So, um, but there were years in between. Um, 
And now we see, you know, I've been on Ancient Aliens, a show like that, that's been on six seasons. I remember uh, 15, 20 years ago, I wouldn't even talk about what I'm telling you about now. We would talk about my research into the Bible, but I would never come out and talk about my personal experience because, I, right. you know, I was in the closet, as it were. And then when, I, when my first edition of the book came out, the, the publisher said, look, Michael, you've got to tell people what's going on. It will make your book more interesting, and people need to know. And I'm bringing a different slant to it. Why? Because I, not only am I a minister, I'm a man of color, and I'm an experiencer. And so there's no one else talking about it, at least from my perspective. It's one thing to write about it. You know, I love John Mack. I love, I love, I love Bud. Bud regressed me. Bud Hopkins, the late Bud Hopkins, but right. uh, Gene Mundy. You know, wonderful. But I've had. It's like it's like someone going to war. I don't want to use a war analogy, but we, I can study on Vietnam, for instance. I had a lot of friends who served in Vietnam. I could probably tell you a lot of stuff historically about the war experiences, but I haven't been in combat. So that's the difference. It's the difference between people writing about people like me, and there's the difference about that, you know people like me saying, "Wait a minute," but I, that's actually happened to me. Reverend Carter, in, in 1989, when you first started having these experiences, uh, had you read uh, Communion, Whitley Strieber's book, and also Intruders, which came out like the same year? No, had I, you read any I of those read, books or been interested in it? Didn't read any. I wasn't interested in anything like that until afterwards. As a matter of fact, I'm, I was just on Whitley's show a couple months back, and I knew Whitley in New York. Um, yeah. But I didn't, uh, you know. I, I didn't even, I wasn't even into it. I just thought that's the best way I can put it. I, I'm not a Trekkie. Uh, I, I wasn't into science fiction at all. But after I had these experiences, um, then I was reading everything I could get my hands on. Confirmation by Whitley, Communion, um, just anything I could get my hand on. And, and, of course, one of the books I could easily get my hand on was the Bible. Uh when whenever they come to visit, uh, you describe it as something uh, like a conscious uh, visit psychologically, or is it more of like a physical being that you could see materialized across the room? Um, no, I these, these were people that you could touch, and they would touch me. Psychologically, I would miss them when they didn't come. Uh, uh, as strange as that may sound, um, but no, they they would touch me. They would they would put pictures in my head if they wanted to communicate with me. Or sometimes I would there would be a voice in my ear. Um, but no, these beings were um, flesh and blood, if you will. Uh, there were times when I, I felt that in the early days when I was really really afraid. Uh, I guess. And sometimes I would meditate, and I would have an out-of-body experience, and I would be with them. And I guess that was just easier for them, too. I mean, you know, I was afraid. Who knows? Uh, sometimes they would paralyze me at the beginning. I, I would be wide awake, but I couldn't move. And I don't know whether that was for their benefit or for mine. Maybe I would swing at them. I've, I've heard about people swinging at them or hitting them with things. Yeah. But uh, um, I can honestly say that once I got past the fear, okay, just the fear of seeing someone who doesn't look like me, you're in my home, um, nothing 
has ever happened untoward to me. Even if, when, when Bud Hopkins regressed me, nothing came up as abusive or, you know, I can't say that I got some sperm taken or, you know, if I was a woman, some ovum was... No. Now, I'm sure there's some type of tracking device in me because when I travel, wherever I am, if they want to meet me, they know how to get there. Uh, I remember being at uh, an, uh, a diversity training in Boston early on after I'd had these experiences, and they they needed to be there. They showed up in my room. They were there. When I moved from uh, downtown Manhattan to, uh, to Harlem in New York, when they needed to find me, they were there. All right. So, so, and, and of course, I'm in North Carolina now, and when they needed me in July and a couple of days ago, they were here, and they know where to find me. So you just recently had an experience just a few days ago. Yeah, I had the, 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 the experience, I had a couple of experiences. I had an experience in July. I had a blood clot. I had a really rough year last year. Um, uh, some personal stuff in my relationship, my marriage had we separated now we're back together that's why I'm I'm calling you from my wife's house now um, right uh, my dad had died after eight-year fight with uh, cancer um, and I had a blood clot that I didn't know I had it was as long as my leg I thought I had pulled a muscle and I had uh, uh, it was just so painful and after three days a friend of mine in New York said you need to see a doctor you're not supposed to have that kind of pain for three days in a row so that's what I did. And for four months, I was on Coumadin. I was injecting myself with something called a Nexaparin in my stomach to dissolve this clot. Now, I've never had a clot. I'm in pretty good shape. On, on July 4th, a, a night much like this, at 9.49 a.m., a being came into my room. I was, I was awake. I was lying on my stomach. It got really quiet. Whenever they come, it gets like really quiet. If it's birds or something singing, you know, if it's a, uh, when it gets late, if I'm in bed early or whatever, whatever it is, it stops. It gets just deathly quiet. And I, I, this little green light, I turned around, and this green light came out of, of his or her hands, and it hit me in my stomach and back. Didn't hurt me. Didn't hurt me at all. I just felt like this electricity, like this energy in my body. And the next day, I looked at my leg, and all the swelling was gone. All of it. Now, I'm a pretty thin guy. Uh, I swim, but I'm not real muscular. And, and, and my leg was swollen like I was LeBron James or something. Remember, it's a clock. <laughs> but after that next yeah. day, my, my, I was back to normal. And so I had to go to the doctor the next day and I and uh, they wanted to know how it had happened of course I didn't say uh, uh, someone from another dimension or planet came into my room I didn't say that but my leg was healed and instead of me being on uh, and my, I showed my wife and my daughter as a matter of fact and I didn't have the presence of mind to take a, a picture with my iPhone but um, my leg was back to normal I stopped the Coumadin I stopped all the medication and then on March 5th um, pretty much the same uh, scenario. This was at 1.22 a.m. Um, I was reading, and I was just getting ready to turn out the light to go to bed, and actually I did, about 1.15, and I was lying there, and I saw this 
the being in, in, in my room. It was one of the, the chalk-colored ones with the aluminum foil suit. And again, uh, just this little beam of, of, of like a greenish light came out of its hand, hit me in my chest area, and in my, in my head, um, all I heard was a voice that said, you're doing well. Hmm. And gone. Gone. I'm doing well. Gone. With, when they would uh, put, and I, I want to definitely move on to, um, to all the stuff that you talk about in the book. Yeah, yeah, we will, but this uh, is very important because this is how I got started in this. Right, this right. happening to me. Now, I've had other people in my family who don't talk about it, who have had similar experiences. Who have had experiences. They don't, they don't get into it. Uh, when they would put images in your head, you know, in, in communion, Whitley Strieber is pretty explicit about the things that they would put in his head. Yeah. Can you share what yeah. some of those images yeah. were? Uh, yeah, okay, I'll give you an example. Uh, one time they showed me uh, a picture of me the way I look now. Uh, okay. I had on a uh, on the left side, I had on a uh, a suit, and I was in a pulpit, and I was speaking to an audience, a congregation, who, whoever. And on the right side, there was um, a man, like a 15th century monk, with a, you know, with the hoodie, you know, with the robe, the Benedictine robe, and a um, rope for a belt, and you know, the haircut with the, with the middle of your head cut out. And there was a picture of an E.T., and it said, look. He said, look. And I thought that was a past life, that, Michael, this is where you come from, that, that you, what you're doing now as a clergy person, this is you now, but this was you then. And then there was one evening when I was in New York, and I'm sorry, when I was in Boston, and um, what had happened was, uh, I was at a, a, a diversity uh, training, and that night I was staying at a bed and breakfast, and I, uh, I, I couldn't move. I felt paralyzed for a while, but I, I wasn't. I felt like I was. I couldn't move, and I kind of willed myself to move, and there was a picture of a small E.T. pointing at a set of hands. And the hands were like prayer hands. We've all seen that, hands in a prayer position. And in the middle of them was a red lightning bolt. Now, remember, I do energy healing work. I do Reiki. And I got from that, you continue to do your healing, do your prayers when you're doing your healing. And, and, and I, I continue to do that with whether it's patients, in the hospital, whether it's, uh, I have a small practice, um, you know, I do the energy healing work, but I make sure I incorporate some type of prayer with it. Because they had a, a, a lightning bolt in between the prayer hands, which I interpreted as energy. You know, use the energy of prayer. So those are some of the things that, uh, uh, that, that they've done. Now, when I lived in New York, I was in New York for 9-11, and um, about five days before 9-11, I was, I'm sorry, about five days after 9-11, I woke up in the middle of the night and I smelled the smoke. And 
I thought there was a fire in my apartment, but it was actually the the smoke still coming up from ground zero. It was making its way uptown. Now, okay. about five, six days before 9-11, I had a visit, and I was in the same apartment, and I woke up to two beings in my room, and one of them came over and patted me on the head in a really loving way, and they, and they just looked at me. That's all they did. They just stared at me, and I felt like this energy in my body, and then they just left. And then about five, six days later, 9-11 happened, and I felt the visit was, and, and the pat on the head, you know, like caressing my head, was like, you're okay. You're going to be okay. So nothing really untoward. Now, I did see a reptilian being in my room um, at one time, and he, 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 it was a he, his voice was a he, even though it was in my head, and he looked like Spider-Man, only his skin was very scaly. It was a grayish green, and it was very scaly looking. Now that will put, that'll get your heart going. And he walked walked right in through my room, and he said something to me. He said, he said to me, and I'll never forget this, he said, you're going to be rich and famous. Now none of that has ever happened. But he (laughs) came to my room, and he walked out. And, and there and, and one time uh one of the little chalk white creatures came in my room with uh a hoodie, you know, like a, again, like the Catholic monk's robe with the with the with the belt around it. And they don't walk, at least the little the little the little huge headed ones. They kinda glide across the floor. They don't walk like we walk. And he just went right through my wall. He went right through the wall <clears throat> in my bedroom. And and these beings are for real, and it got me thinking. Um, okay, I'm not into the nuts and bolts. I don't care how they fly. I don't care, you know, about back engineering. Even though I'm sure our government knows a lot about that. But for me, I'm always interested in how human beings interact with each other after these kind of contacts. Uh, I'm more interested in the spiritual message, if there is one from it. The reptilian didn't seem benevolent in any way? No, no. uh, uh, No, no. He didn't seem malevolent. Uh, It was just that that's a big shock uh, to see that. You know, know, it it was just a, a big shock to see a being that looked like that. Huge. Uh, but no, he did not. Uh, he did not hurt me. I don't. I don't know what happened. I don't know why he came just to tell me I was going to be rich and famous. But when I opened my eyes, he was surely in my room. I have to ask you, Reverend Carter. Yes. Uh, is there ever a point that you saw these beings as um, their visitations as a purely like supernatural experience? And what I mean by supernatural, because, you know, aliens would be supernatural, as a kind of non-corporeal, almost like a spiritual, that these beings were spiritual in nature and not physical. No, I never never thought that, only because I could touch them. But I can also say that, so they weren't ephemeral or ethereal kind of light beings kind of thing. But what I can say, and, and, and I, I think I have said it, is that my own spiritual growth quickened. 
I, I was very when I did when I first started having these experiences, I really got into metaphysics, uh, and by that I mean you know looking at things above the physical, looking at um, how we we co-create. Well, quantum physics has been telling us this for quite a while, but how we co-create our lives. I was looking at life outside of the box. So in many ways, maybe I was open to that. I don't know. Because, again, there are other people who have had these same experiences and, would be, and have been traumatized from them. Now, like I said, I went to therapy. I went to a psychiatrist. I mean, but I, I, I realized that I had to live my life, too. I realized I had to get up in the morning and brush my teeth and go to work. I realized I had, you know, responsibilities, uh, and I had my life to live, uh, and I was responsible for that life. And so these type of experiences were just part of that as opposed to the be-all, end-all of my life. As a matter of fact, one of the reasons I stopped going to my support group was that, I mean, it, it was there when I needed it, and there were wonderful people there. Um, but, you know, there were a lot of people who were stuck, and, and unless you were talking about off-world intelligences or UFOs or whatever, you couldn't have a conversation. And I realized that there was, you know, I still had a whole life out here, and I couldn't just relegate myself to just that world, if you will, or just gotcha. living in that community. Um, did you ever make an effort to get any kind of digital recording of these beings, or did you feel like it would offend them in some way? No, I never thought about it. I mean, I mean, because there wasn't the time. Uh, it would be like, let's say, if I went to bed tonight, and uh, it would just happen. And, you know, I just kind of figured that, I mean, I had some good friends of mine who were very talented psychics. One was a psychic, worked for the government, as a remote viewer. Um, uh, and, and I would go to them sometimes and say, look, this is happening to me. Can you, what do you pick up? What do you see? as it were. But no, I, I, I just, uh, I, I never, it never even crossed my mind to even do that, first of all, because it was just, I never know for sure when they're coming. Um, there was that pattern at the beginning, but even then I was just so much frightened by it. It took me a while to go from, to, from fear to acceptance and then to transformation. But my life was, uh, I, I just watched and was uh, aware of the changes that were going on within me, um, the way I wanted to live my life. The, the, the more loving I became, the more willing to look at my own flaws, my own willingness to take responsibility for my life. Maybe that would have come, who's to say? Um, but it came with me and it came very rapidly. And um, I, I attribute all that to... Um, my visits. Well, I want to get on to um, the book sure. and talk about, you know, let's kind of go down the list. We're going to talk about, uh, you know, what you see as aliens, visitation in the Bible. And let's start with the Old Testament. Um, and specifically, I think, uh, in the, you know, the book of Genesis is a great place to start. And to talk about, um, you know, something we've talked about on the show a lot, which is kind of like the Nephilim. And let's just kind of go from there, you know, kind of work down the list on it. Well, I mean, there are many, many, there are many, many places we could go with that. The Nephilim, uh, yeah. you know, we have Genesis 6, which is the famous passage 
well, there's another famous passage, let us create man in our image um, with, with the verb, I mean, being us, uh, let us create man in, I mean, in our image. Of course, uh, Zachariah Sitchin is the one who uh, started uh, doing the research on the Anunnaki and the Sumerian tablets. Of course, the Genesis story being a retelling of the Sumerian creation story. And here we have these beings talking about creating uh, a man in our image. And so it brings up the question, okay, how many? Is there one God there, or are we talking about many gods? Um, of course, the Nephilim are, are, uh, are supposedly the fallen angels, and they came to Earth, and they uh, made love to the daughters of, of Earth, and, and uh, had offspring that were hybrids, who were very tall beings. Um, the Book of Enoch goes into that in great, great detail, Enoch being a scribe for these beings that are called the Watchers. Uh, that's one uh, incident. We look at Abraham and Sarah, and he's told by uh, these individuals uh, that, he, that they are going to have a child. And these people don't have wings. They don't have wings, and they also look like human beings. They eat the food that he prepares for them. Remember, there were hospitality laws at the time, and so uh, uh, there's food prepared for them and, and what have you. They seem to be able to tell, to tell the future. Uh, and so uh, I'm, I'm thinking that these are, you remember, because angel is angelos, of course, and in Greek, and it just simply means messenger. It doesn't necessarily mean these beings had wings. Now, I've had people, um, you know, say, well, they've seen angels, and I'm not saying there's no such thing as angels. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that I think that our ancestors drew wings on these folk to let us know that they could fly. Uh, there is no Jewish religion. We move up. Uh, uh, to the Exodus story now. We've gone from Genesis to Exodus. And uh, here we have Moses leading the people out of Egypt, and they are following a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. In modern-day uh, UFO sightings, some of these uh, machines are coming out of clouds. Some of them are camouflaged by clouds. <coughs> Pardon me. Some of them lead... Uh, in the wake behind them clouds and so it they follow it it stops and it rests and they camp underneath of it so it is moving across the sky intelligently at night it glows it's the pillar of fire by night the pillar of cloud by day this is at least an unidentified flying object some scholars have tried to say it was a volcano smoking or what have you but there were they were being led and it would stop and start. And, and again, there is no Hebrew religion until the Exodus. And wasn't it dropping the, uh, the manna as well? Yes, that's also uh, a part of that story. Manna coming from this, this craft and people eating it so they would not starve in the wilderness. Of course, there's also, uh, if we go uh, to the book of Judges, when we talk about Samuel, uh, I'm sorry, not Samuel, uh, talking about Samson, uh, 
an angel visits his mother. Now, his mother, of course, women were even less than second-class citizens, so the woman's name is not even mentioned, but the father's name is Manoah. And so uh, here we have the offspring of an extraterrestrial uh, well, at least being told, told telling uh, Samson's father uh, that his wife would have a child, and they have a, a child of superhuman strength. Of course, we have Ezekiel. We could go on and on and on. The spaceships yeah. of Ezekiel, when he talks about uh, being lifted up, and he talks about the craft that he sees, and he describes what he sees. Of course, uh, the, the spaceships of Ezekiel, written by Joseph Bloomrich, who was a NASA engineer and scientist, he took the specifications uh, of what he found in the book of Ezekiel, and he created a drawing, and he said, this, this is the ship that Ezekiel saw. You can Google it. You can go on, uh, on, online and, and, and just type in spaceships of Ezekiel, and you'll see the drawing uh, made from the, the metrics in the Bible of what he saw. Moving on to, um, and also to, uh, I believe it's Elijah is the one that's taken up in the chariot. Yes. The fiery chariot. Yes. But, but before we go there, I mean, because th those are pretty self-explanatory. I mean, yeah. uh, uh, but also, if you, in the book of Job, uh, chapter 9, verse 9, when Yahweh is saying, who made the bear and the Ryan and the Pleiades and the chambers of the south? You know, how does Job, uh, who, how, how, who, they're already talking about the Pleiades and Orion. Um, you know, th this was another hint to me that maybe our ancestors were having contact with off-world intelligences. If you go to Isaiah, um, if you go to I the book of Isaiah, uh, here's, uh, we're talking chapter 40, uh, verse 22. It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to live in. Okay, how did they know that the earth was a sphere or a circle? And how did they know that the inhabitants of the earth would look like grasshoppers unless they had been up in a ship? And so again, these when I was in seminary, I would ask about these verses, and my professors, you know, they were they were great. They just said we don't know. They didn't try to give me, uh, you know, some type of of answer just to 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 placate me. They they didn't know, but I'm sure it gave them room for thought. If you look at the book of Amos, chapter five, verse eight, it reads. The one who made the Pleiades and Orion and turns deep darkness into the morning and darkens the day into night. Again, mentioning of these star systems, the Pleiades and Orion. I think it's plain. I mean, I could be wrong. I don't think I am. And I'm not saying that in a, in, in a way of hubris. But, I mean, it's right there if we look at it, but we've been taught not to look at it. Well, would you see possibility of uh because yeah, I'm not a I'm not a very big ancient aliens kind of guy, I have to sure. confess that to you. Sure. I, I'm I'm more of a guy that uh is uh I, I think that there may have been some ancient knowledge 
that could have possibly been passed down from, for say, for lack of a better word, like a place like Atlanta, some kind of antediluvian uh, world. Uh-huh. Uh, would you say that that could have been a possibility, and that it, you know, eventually through um, word of mouth or through writings that were uh, collected, that it found its way into the Bible? I, but I don't think they're they're different. You can have ancient knowledge that comes down from other worlds. Uh, 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 I don't think I don't think that they're that they're they're different at all. As a matter of fact, whether it's the Cherokee or a lot of First Nations uh, 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 brothers and sisters who talk about the star people, whether or star visitors, whether you're talking about uh, Asian texts or the uh, Hindu Mahabharata, with uh, the Upanishads, and uh, uh, I mean they're all talking about. Beings who come down from the sky. Uh, I, I marvel at the resistance of us to, uh, as earthlings. We, we just resist it. It can't be that. It's got to be something else. But, yeah. but, you know. You know. And and I don't think it's necessary. Ancient ancient wisdom doesn't necessarily mean that it didn't come from another civilization. These civilizations uh, all talk about it. And I mean, listen. Look. Look what's going on today. Uh, 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 Brazil, France, uh, Scotland, uh, uh, the UK, Australia, they've all released their documents around this subject, all but the United States. Uh, uh, the Mexicans just released, uh, you know, several months ago, their Mayan artifacts. And you, you, you can be Ray Charles, and you can look at these artifacts, and you can look at these cave drawings, and you can see that these are clearly ships, and that these are clearly other beings. So I, I just don't get the, uh, the resistance to it at all. I mean, it's clear as day. That's why a show like Ancient Aliens can be on for six seasons, whereas probably 15, 20 years ago, it may not even been made at all. And and it's just it's just that we've been taught that this doesn't exist, this is not supposed to exist, and there are reasons for that. There there, there are reasons for that. But it's time to grow up, and it's time to to say, hey, we are not the only ones in this universe. It's okay. Yeah. Well, I agree with you there. I mean, I would say that you know more than likely there's life elsewhere, um, and probably intelligent life elsewhere. Um, you talk about uh, in the book about uh, Yahweh. Uh, do you believe? Do you do you believe that Yahweh was a was an alien? Yeah, I do. I do. I do. I mean, I mean, you know, uh, uh, he's 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 very concerned with, of course, purity. Uh, the Jews are first of all, if you are a male Jew. You are supposed to be circumcised. Um, being a man of color, but of course not the only ancestors of slaves in the book of Leviticus, he is telling Moses how much to charge for slaves, men, women, yeah. and children. I, I find that, uh, I don't think that's a God I want to, to worship. And also he, you know, you, there are plenty of texts in the Bible where he's telling people, you go into the land of Canaan, you kill the men, women, and children. This is the land that I am giving you. Uh, there's a lot of Native Americans who take issue with those texts for all the obvious reasons, because this is what happened to their land. You know, for, for the sake of our God, we're supposed to have this land. You're not doing anything with it. 
This is our land. Um, and so I say yes. He's he had some anger management problems. Um, he's he's very concerned about purity, whether you know it's around sexuality, and you know he's telling people, "I'm taking you into this land. I'm a jealous God." Well, what do you if you what do you need to be jealous of? You're omniscient. You're omnipresent. You're all powerful. So I think he was one of as uh, one of the many uh, 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 astronauts in that part of the world at the time that was just simply vying for power. Uh, of course, as Zachariah Sitchin tells us, <coughs> the Mahabharata talks about these gods warring among themselves, and that some of human beings were actually had taken sides with these with these people and fought for them. I think it's pretty clear that. Uh, he is uh, the captain or commander of, of the ship. So this brings me to my next question and moving on in the, in the Bible to the New Testament. Mm -hmm. um, how do you, and you enumerate a lot of points of some kind of contact that's going on with Jesus. Yes. Um, how do you see... Um, well, what are some of those contacts that are going on? And also, how do you see the who Jesus is, who Jesus is? Is he someone that is coming as uh, to, well, as it is to redeem mankind, or and also to uh, put in place of the Yahweh God? Mm -hmm. I think it's a great question. I feel, well, first of all, of course, the whole star of Bethlehem, that's, to me, to my knowledge, is one can look at that as uh, Jesus being not from this world. I mean, he says that uh, uh, in the Gospels. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. He tells Pilate that in John, in the book of John. Uh, if, if Jesus is, if Jesus is, if, if his mother's human and his father isn't, then that means he's not human. The star of Bethlehem, again, is, a, is an object that is moving. Uh, uh, it is flying. It's leading the wise men. It shines a light down on mangers. I don't know, on a manger, I don't know of any stars that do that. Uh, at the end, he's taken up into the clouds, um, which to me is just a shorter version of thousands of years before, uh, the pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. We don't say unidentified flying object. We, you know, we said we, we've shortened it to UFO. And just I think our ancestors back then did not keep wanting to say the pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night. So he was taken up in the clouds. Um, I, I feel that Jesus was one of many, uh, 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 people who had come to show us a, a more peaceful way, a more civilized way of being with, with each other. Um, he says that his kingdom is not of this world. Uh, he says that he tells Pilate when Pilate, when he's silent before Pilate and at, the, at his trial, and Pilate says, you're not speaking to me. Don't you know I have the power to crucify you or let you go free? And Jesus' response is, you don't have any power over me unless it was given to you from above. And don't you know that if I wanted to, I could call in ten legions of angels and they would free me. So clearly, this is this, I don't think he's just talking about 
this little ethereal place. He's saying that I'm from someplace else. Uh, uh, he also says that his kingdom is not of this world. He talks about the kingdom of heaven, the spiritual kingdom that is, is within us. I think it makes perfect sense to see him as a messenger from, from, from elsewhere, but I look at him as the great example, not the great exception, because he says in Matthew that greater works than I do, you can do. So clearly he's making himself, uh, he's saying that I'm, I, what, what, is, what I have is potential in you. What I am is potential in you. I mean, it's, it's, it's just right there. Uh, he also says that uh, uh, I have sheep that are not of this fold. So it doesn't, you don't have to be a Christian. Uh, and Jesus wasn't a Christian, he was a Jew. He was a different kind of Jew, but he was a Jew. Yeah. Uh, uh, and so, and so uh, uh, it, it's all right there for us, but we've been taught that everything is outside of us. Everything is external. This God is separate. I mean, you know, people, you know, one of the big things is, is God, are God and Jesus the same person? I mean, well, when he's in, in Gethsemane praying that this cup will pass from him, is he praying to himself? I don't think so. And we don't even know if that's really what happened. I mean, of course, this is what people wrote. But remember, I'm just using that as an example. When he's praying in the garden, his disciples fell asleep. And he, and he yeah. says to them, you can't stay awake with me. So who's writing the story? If they're asleep, who's writing the story? That's an interesting point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I don't say that really. I'm not saying that to 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 uh, trivialize but I am saying let's use the common sense that we have if this man is praying and his disciples are asleep and they can't stay awake then who who writes the story of what happened they were asleep would you um let me gather my thoughts do you anything you wanted to ask Luke? Um, I don't really have anything. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, this is, this is, you know, for me, for me, yeah. Jesus is the example. I call myself a follower of the teachings of Jesus. Now, you know, I glean from a lot of traditions. I have Cherokee in my background, so there's that wisdom there, especially around dealing with the earth and the sacredness of the earth and nature, Buddhism. Uh, and there are other faith traditions, but because I'm a man of the West, that's the story that resonates with me. Now, maybe if I was born in Arabia or parts of Africa, it would be Muhammad, or if I was born in Tibet. So I want to say that. But for me, the, follow, the, the teachings of Jesus are different from Christianity. And so, uh, and that's why I make that distinction. Jesus didn't know Christianity. Paul started Christianity the way we know it today who was a Hellenized Jew, and they were followers. If you read in the book of Acts, uh, the, the, the movement became the way. People were followers of the way. And so, uh, and for me, the teachings of Jesus, I want to go back to your question. Uh, um, in some ways, Jesus is preaching a little bit different from Yahweh, because what Jesus did, he took the, he took the teachings of the eighth Century CE prophets, Jeremiah, 
Amos, Ezekiel. He took their teachings, which said, remember, the Ten Commandments, my friend, were not for everybody. They were just how one Jew was to treat another Jew. That's what Exodus and Leviticus, those are the laws of what it means to be, uh, uh, if you're going to be my people, you've got to be circumcised. You're not going to be intermarried. You're not going to be like the Gentiles, the uncircumcised ones. The, the, you're not going to be like them. That way people will know that you follow me. Uh, and so, yeah, you don't covet your neighbor's wife or your neighbor's things. You don't commit adultery with your neighbor's wife. You don't uh, uh, murder it's not thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not murder. You don't do those things to another Jew. Because remember, yeah. they're going into the land of Canaan, and they're killing men, women, and children to take that land because Yahweh said it was theirs. Jesus comes along, and he changes all that. He says, I know what Moses tells you. I, I know what they tell you, but I'm, I'm, I want you to bring your A game. You, I want you to, I'm going to take it up a notch. You are going to love your neighbor, no matter who they are. You're going to pray for your enemies. You're going to bless your enemies. You're going to bring your A-game. It's not just you're going to do this for other Jews, to the other Jews. You're going to do this to the Gentile. You're going to do this to the Roman. You're going to do this to everyone. And that's a very, yeah, that, that, that's a very different teaching. And, and, that, and that's why the Pharisees, who were trying to, to who were also collaborating with the Romans, and, and the Sadducees were, were a wealthy band of folk who were collaborators and rulers, but, they, you know, they were trying to keep Judaism the way they had known it from their forefathers, from, from Moses on. And Jesus comes and says, I got a, I got a, I got a different teacher. You're going to love your neighbor, and you're going to love yourself, and you're going to love your God. And your neighbor is no longer Shlomo who lives down the street from you. No more, it's no, no more Shlomo is Solomon in Hebrew. It's no longer Rebecca who lives in the kibbutz. Or the, no, it's everyone. It's the Roman centurion. It's the Roman tribune. It's the Greek. It's the Syrian. It's the Sumerian. So it's a very, it, it, he brings the love ethic into Judaism, and that is the genius of Jesus. So you would see Jesus as like a long line, almost like a like an avatar in a way of, you know, like a, we could start with Krishna and the Buddha. And, yeah, yeah, you know, he's one of Jesus many. And, now, now he's, he, like I said, I'm in the West. So, you know, even if I was an atheist, I did a sermon on atheism uh, a few weeks back, and even if you're an atheist, we are so, if you were an atheist, you would still be so influenced by Christianity or Jesus, whether you believe in it or not. So it has some influence over you. You're around it all the time. Sure. Dr. Carter, do you mind if we take just a quick break? I mean, just like a minute. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. I can't say that I disagree with you about uh, about Jesus being extraterrestrial. Uh, that that actually you know ties in with my beliefs too. Um, I I kind of have a different perspective on it. Yeah, yeah. But but yeah, it, that that does make sense to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, I could be wrong, and I'm not saying that to be self-deprecating. I I just don't. 
I, I'm just, how can I say, I'm, you know, I'm past the point of, of convincing at this point. That's just my point of departure. Because it doesn't matter to me in a lot of ways whether he was or wasn't. What matters to me is that do I learn to love? Do I learn to forgive? Do mm, I right. learn to be authentic? Because you and I, we can, we, can, we, can, we can debate theology, we can debate whether Jesus was an extraterrestrial. I mean, in the whole scheme of things, we can do that. And it makes for exciting conversation, and we can debate ideas. But the point is, are we happier, healthier, more fulfilled, and loving human beings at the end of the day? Right. And if what, we are, important the yeah, and if we are, then that's fine, whether, whether he's an extraterrestrial or not. That, that's what counts. Right. Uh, you know, I, I kind of feel like uh, anybody that has such heightened abilities above what humanity is capable of could be considered a god. Adam likes to say uh, God as in little g. Mm -hmm. and, and with me, there's kind of a fine line between extraterrestrials and God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I hear that. I mean, I mean, who wrote this book? I forget his name. He wrote a book, Does God Drive a Flying Saucer? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I forgot his name, but you can look it up. I have both his books at home. And I'm not, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that God is an astronaut. I'm not saying that at all, but I am saying that these are messengers, whether we call them angels, whether we call them avatars, whether we call them prophets, and they are sent to kind of show us as a species when we kind of get really off the mark that, wait a minute, there's a different, you guys fight too much, you guys are too greedy, you guys don't know how to deal with one another, and so let me send someone who's going to have my message. And, and, and they can show you a way. But what we do is we make gods out of them. Right. We make gods out of them. Um, and, and so th that's just where I'm coming from. I'm, I don't know whether they're called a god or an intelligence. Words are all we have, but words get in the way. But uh, there is something, there is an intelligence, for lack of a better word. You can call it universal mind. You can call it what you will. And there's a law that we can tap into. There's a law of attraction. That's where metaphysics came in uh, for me, because if I live by the laws of the universe as I understood them and learning from them, I could co-create my life. Didn't mean I, was, I wasn't going to have problems, or that people, loved ones weren't going to die, or relationships weren't going to break up. But I would have the spiritual wherewithal to 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 to, to navigate and negotiate the, the slings and arrows. Uh, that life can sometimes throw at us. So I'm not saying that God is an astronaut, but I am saying that our ancestors ran into intelligences from off world, and because of the technology, they mistook those beings for gods. And that was the beginning of a lot of our religions, at least the three religions of the book, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. Okay, that's a good point to close on. Yeah. I've got another question going back to an earlier topic. Uh, have you ever sighted um, a UFO outside, like in, you know, in the sky, not, not the beings in person that you were talking no, about? No, the... I have not. Okay. Hmm. I have not. I have not ever gone outside and seen a craft. 
I wanted to ask you about your work, uh, Reverend Carter, as a Unitarian Universalist minister. Mm-hmm. You know, how has all this, you know, this is before we close out, sure. how has all this um, affected your work as that? How has it influenced it? No, no, it, 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 it's a good question. First of all, I don't talk about this from my pulpit. From my pulpit. Um, okay. don't have a UFO church, as it were. And I don't <laughs> that's my calling. But what I do try to do is we come from a very progressive line of free thinkers, and um, um, we, we, we're very uh, um, intellectual, kind of very intelligent people attend the church. And what I try to get them to do is to get out of their heads, not to not think, but to learn to feel more, to to be more comfortable with feelings as well as intellectual acuity. And I think because that's what makes us human. Um, And so in that way, and I've tried to get them sometimes in my sermons to, uh, to be open to a world that is just as, that's just as real as the world, the material world in front of us, but just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not real. Yeah. And and whether I use quantum physics or some basic metaphysical principle, I try to throw that in my sermons to get them out of their heads and, and to realize that there's much more to this world uh, than what meets the eyes. Well, you want to ask me? Uh, not that I can think of. Well, Reverend Carter, you have been a very excellent guest. I have uh, have enjoyed our time together. Oh, that's great. Uh, Thank you for patience. Very, Glad we worked this but, out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it was a little touch and go there for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I mean, oh, yeah, yeah it was I've, really touch and go. I've seen Universalist churches before and was just wondering what they were all about. So you kind of gave us a representation of uh, what goes on there. Yeah, the, the Unitarian Church started in 1825 here, and what makes it Unitarian is we don't believe in a Trinity. We're not, we're not, we're not, we just think that's a weird mathematical conundrum. The Universalists say that uh, that God is love, and so if God is love, then there's no hell for people to be burned in because a loving God would not do that. And you can see where we're very different from traditional Protestant denominations. So that's what makes us different. Unitarians say there's no trinity, there's one God. Um, and we have people who don't even believe in God come to our church. We have Buddhists, we have, we have atheists, we have people who don't know, don't care. And the universalists say God is love. And so all people are saved. Uh, you oh, want yeah. to use those okay. words. So that's, that's the history of our church. And universalists came to these shores from England in the 1700s. They landed in New Jersey. A guy named John Murray brought uh, universalism to these shores. Okay, I, I, my mistake. I thought those were one and the same. Well, the, the, the two joined together. Yeah, we did. In 1961, yeah. we merged. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, they merged as one church. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Out of necessity. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much, Reverend Carter. Uh, stay on the line with us. We're just going to close out this segment. And uh, anything you want to add, Luke? We're just going to be back. Well, let's do it. Well, All right. We'll be right. Can, can I oh, say this? Go ahead. Can I say this real quick? Just where people can buy the book. At, oh, yeah. absolutely. Uh, uh, Amazon.com. Amazon. 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 Amazon.
<laughs> yeah, you can go to Amazon. Uh, you can go to Barnes and Nobles. The, the 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 paperback is ten dollars, and the Kindle or Nook edition is four ninety nine. Excellent. Uh, I love the Kindle. It keeps everything pretty cheap. Yeah. Did, did we ever mention the title? It's uh, called... the Alien Scriptures, Extraterrestrials, and the Holy Bible. Okay. Excellent. We'll stay on the line with us, Dr. Carter, and we, uh, Reverend Carter. I'm sorry, and we'll be right back on Conspiranormal. All right, we are back on Conspiranormal. This was uh, little Zach's here. Uh, <laughs> say his name. His name's Zach. Yeah. Say hello, to Zach. Hey guys. <laughs> this is his inaugural conspiratorial, so... You're supposed to refer to his code name. Tempest. <laughs> uh, you can use my real name. I don't care. Uh, it was a lot of fun having you on, and uh, I'll I'll definitely come back if you want me. Yeah, well, we, want, we want you back. We need somebody to monitor the boards. By, the, sure time, okay. by the time Zach finishes school, he'll be a professional somewhere That's out right. there in the industry. Yeah. He'll be using Pro Tools. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the next time you have me on, uh, I'll... You know, maybe ask some questions or give some commentary on some things. But yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Um, it was great being on. Thank Thanks. you. Thank you. <laughs> um, well, Luke, what did you think of that? Uh, I while you were you know, relieving yourself, <laughs> <laughs> I I uh, I told <laughs> I told him that. Uh, our, our beliefs pretty much align. I was like, well, I can't yeah. really disagree with them because, you know, as I've said before on the show, it's my belief that uh, aliens and gods are one and the same. So, yeah. of course, you know, my beliefs change pretty drastically from diff- different points of the year. It's pretty dynamic, you know. It changes around a lot from the things that I learn. Yeah, there's uh, a subtle there's a subtle difference, you know, between yeah. the two for you. Uh, right. It's, it's pretty much the same for me, too. Uh, you know, of course, you know, there's things I disagree with, but I thought it was a good interview. I thought mm-hmm. we kept it pretty well. Yeah. Um, you know, um, uh, that's what I like. I like having people with different points of view on this show. Right. You know, for sure. Um, and it was kind of a, uh, in a way, you know, we so much stuff from like cross pollination between guests. We have, you know, of course, he mentions the Book of Enoch, and that was like what our whole show was about, like last time, you know. Mm-hmm. And just everything just kind of comes together in a weird kind of way on the show. I find it really interesting. Yeah, that's uh, that's the one thing I was gonna say too is that um, everybody's beliefs just tend to mesh yeah. together after a while. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You noticed that? Yeah. What did you think of uh, What did you think of that story that we read? About oh. The exorcism thing. Well, I was uh, I was saying that um, yeah, of course, you know, you, you know. First off, I'm gonna say that I'm skeptical. Yeah. And I want I want like newspaper articles and I want other eyewitness stories and stuff like that because and this is only because those kind of articles I I know that so many people make them up because I spend so yeah. much time on Facebook reading those those articles that are trying to they'll write elaborate stories too just to get attention from viewers sure. and traffic for their site and everything. I don't think this was I don't think this was a made up story uh, and it's a possibility that it could have been hyped. However, it's one of those stories where um, you've got child services people involved, you have cops involved with the story, mm-hmm. you have uh, nurses involved with the story. 
So it, it kind of makes me think that there is something to it. Now, did a kid actually walk on the ceiling? I don't know. Yeah. So that's the plus side. Anytime that you've got in one of these supernatural uh, stories like that, extreme hauntings, it's usually that usually lends up a little, little bit of credibility that you have public officials that, are, that yeah. have witnessed it and seen it. See, now if I had those same people instead of just like quotes, you know, from each of them that are in the article, if I had entire stories from each of yeah. those people, you know, separate from that website. To, if, you, if you saw like affidavits at. and yeah. stuff like that. I'm are. sure that's probably online. You can probably find it somewhere. Yeah. Now, here's the interesting thing about the story. That came out back in February, I think, beginning of February. Uh, that home, a few weeks later after that whole thing came out, that home was bought by Zach Baggins. Oh yeah? The guy from Ghost Adventures. That kind of got me a little suspicious because that gave Zach Baggins publicity that he bought this home. And of course the home was only like $36,000 because it's a pretty depressed area in Gary, Indiana. Uh, so it wasn't much money for him to buy right, it. Right. Uh, but also around that same time, the new season of the Ghost Adventures started. So, so it seemed he, like it, he it, could it, have been a, it could have been a publicity stunt. He bought all of this after it's this supposedly after, happened. Yeah, after it came out. Okay, yeah, well that's that's fine with me. So you don't think that that would have been a publicity stunt? No, I mean okay. he he hears about it in the media and he's like, okay, we need to go there. We need to investigate because. Yeah. Now that this has already been hyped up by the media, now we can go here and do an investigation. Let's see if there's anything to yeah. it. Because, okay. you, because you know, Prime, all that he told us about yeah, Zach Prime. Baggins. Well, he, he, you know, he really likes Zach Baggins, and he told us a lot about him, and it does seem like he is trying to, to be legitimate. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, he dropped um, his old crew or something because they were under scrutiny for, you know, tampering. Or whatever with the I don't know about that. I don't know. That may be true, though. Yeah. Because it's pretty much him and, and two other guys that do the show, so I don't know if there maybe some people in the crew, like actually filming the show, were trying to set something up that yeah. might have been possible. Um, well, I think we're going to call it. I think we've been here long enough. All right. So uh, next week, we are going to be going on World of the Unexplained with Jay Scott and Trent. Cool. And we're going to be recording their show, and they're going to be recording our show. A double broadcast. So it's going to be like a crossover, a conspiranormal world of the unexplained crossover. I had some fun with those guys last week in North Carolina. They're really great guys. Did you guys yeah. get wasted? No, we didn't get wasted. We <laughs> should have. Somebody should have gotten wasted. Somebody should have. But, but he's a, he's a he's a he's like a DWI lawyer, so you know he can't get too he can't get too wasted. You know, oh. He's made all the cops mad. Yeah. So anyway, but uh, want to thank Zach for coming out and being a part tonight <laughs> with his uh, production skills. All, this is all on you if people people can't hear it on their iPods. Uh, uh, yeah, so come track me down. We're gonna put we're, we're put we're gonna put you on the spot. So anyway, uh, now to hear my new sick uh, dubstep song. That's right. Yeah, I won't put that at the beginning. I'm not sure, but uh, y'all have a good night and uh, thanks for listening to Conspiranormal. A little late there, Luke. Sorry. <laughs> Just what is it that you want to do? We want to get loaded and we want to have a good time.
Just what is it that you want to do? I'm gonna get deep down, deep down, sad. I'm gonna get deep down, deep down. Woo! Hey! We want to be free to do what we want to do. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. 
everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real Traveler Reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.